apps can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live, human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of homeownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com, email him at csawyer at annie-mac.com, or give him a call, 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345, corporate NMLS number 338923, Annie Mac Home Mortgage, Equal Housing Lender, American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC, DBA, Annie Mac Home Mortgage, Lo-Fi Direct, Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent, License Lender, Broker Number, ML 338923, Massachusetts Mortgage Lender, and Mortgage Broker License Number, MC 338923, Rhode Island License Lender, License Number 20112810L. Call for additional details. Throwing jabs, always full send. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest, top three corner men. Punching in with a punch's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand. When it comes to fisticuffs, slide a hand on the undercard. You'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got you missing weight. Feet are stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand in eight, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move. Bob and wave, don't lose hope against the ropes. There's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging we bring in crosses with no worship hooks with no verses combinations with no locks when you feel the flurry of curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats relax if you want the facts because the best combat podcast is throwing jabs Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Throwing Jabs Combat Sports Podcast. I'm Big Jace, joined by Jared Jones and Joe Aguirre. We got a lot to talk about. A big heavyweight UFC fight night tonight. And we got the the battle for the undisputed, boxing's undisputed lightweight champion. But first, speaking of boxing's lightweight division, Gervonta, Tank Davis, KOs, Rolando, Romero, in the sixth round to retain his regular WBA lightweight championship. Jared, you, you texted it to the group, right? I, I think you texted it to us. Never seen someone knock someone out. and Or, or did I see it on Facebook? I don't, I don't remember. Never seen someone knock someone out and, and win a fight without winning a round. So uh, I know you've been very crucial of Tank Davis. Uh, it... Is he ready for the winner of tonight's fight? After no, that? no. And do you think I? I mean, anybody who watched this fight and doesn't think I'm right, or the Chavez fight, and th- doesn't think I'm right, or any of his last four or five fights, and doesn't think I'm right to be overly critical of the guy is is not paying attention. He's he's losing rounds. He's regularly getting 
punched by guys that aren't the upper echelon. Do you, I mean, man, give me the top two, three other guys at that spot. Do you know what Errol Spence would do this guy? Loma, people are talking about Loma will do whatever he wants in there. It'll look like he's writing a song, like literally orchestrating a symphony if he gets in there and fights Tank Davis. This guy's a good, strong puncher and a solid fighter, but he he can't box very well. Yeah, uh, my brother just commented. He got knocked out due to his own lack of skill. He threw the same punch and got caught with the, just like Santa Cruz did in their fight. And you're exactly right, Jared. If he's fighting Lomachenko or any of the, the top guys, he's not getting away with that. Yeah. The lack of head movement, again, taking all those punches. Yeah, you can handle Rolando Romero. And you can take his punches, but what happens if we're talking about a Spence, a Crawford, a Lomachenko? Any of these guys are going to pick him apart. I would even say at this point, I think Teofimo Lopez is a better fighter than Tank Davis is. I agree. The better boxer. He's a better boxer. Yeah, I, I, I'm with that too. I uh... Hold on, oh, real quick. That said, Jace, I'll say this. Look, Tank's a strong guy. Yeah. To to be getting beat up and to drop somebody in the sixth, you you have to tip your cap to the kid. He's got talent, but oh, he's oh. a mess. He, yeah. He really needs – they need to tighten this guy way up. Yeah, the, the only person – while you're rattling off those names, the only person I see, like, comparable to him is Ryan Garcia and – that's just because they're both young and we don't know how good they actually are. Tank Davis. To I don't want to see that fight. That's no. one of the last fights I want to see because we learn nothing. We learn yeah. nothing. Garcia baits out, knocks out Tank. Well, he's better than we thought we were, but I don't see what can happen in that fight where you really figure out how good the guy is. We don't know how good either one is. So to have them fight each other, you still learn next to nothing. Yeah. But with, with Tank, I think – Tank is a heavyweight fighter fighting at lightweight. He's the like Deontay Wilder. He's got that power. But, I mean, th there's a reason why all these small guys are at the top of the pound-for-pound pound list. When you get lighter to the lighter weights, it, the skill gap, is there's just a lot more skill, a lot more mobility. You, you can't go like that at, at this lightweight. So that's why it's not going to work. Maybe if he packs on a couple pounds and goes to heavyweight, that's not going to happen because of his power. But I mean, it, it's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, everybody in the top, everybody in the top twenty at lightweight. Yeah, everybody it, in the top twenty at lightweight um, outboxes this guy. Just about everybody. I like Jermaine Ortiz is fourteen right now. I think he outboxes Tank Davis. Javier Fortuna, Maxi Hughes, uh, Berchal, guys all the way down that Romero at 21 just did. Uh, Willie Zepeda, he might stop Tank Davis because you're taking too many punches. And that's all the way down. But these other top four, Teofimo Lopez, Cambosos, uh, Devin Haney, and Loma, Tank's ranked above all four, and all four of those guys will smoke Tank. He gets hit too much. You will have to – maybe he could knock out Haney. I don't, I don't see any of those other things happening. You know, Isaac. Cruz I don't like Haney rounds. either. I don't. We've... I don't think so. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, 
He, he does have a chance with that power, I guess, anyone. But, I mean, you got to land something. These guys. Look what happened to Deontay Wilder. That worked out great. Throwing that big overhand right from across the ring. That worked great on guys who also just stood there and threw with him. And what happened when he got into a fight with a guy who knows how to box? <laughs> he got murdered. He got yeah. absolutely murdered. So, I mean, having a big, powerful right, being Francis and Gano, like, I knock anybody out in the world. That's great. But what happens when you're fighting an elite-level boxer who's got the same power you do? Who's going to Just expose every was flaw able to do that, that you have? Yeah, there you go. This All is, the way up through the ranks, Justin Gagey was able to do that. Yep. Yep, he was able to do that. Land the punch, land the punch, land the punch, and he finally started getting in the in the cage with guys he couldn't land that punch with. And now you've seen Justin Gagey at the top of the line. And I think that's what we're going to get from Tank Davis. Adrian Broner, much as I hate to mention that guy's name, that's what we're going to get. You're going to look great until you hit that upper echelon. And honestly, Tank has done better with these guys than I thought he would. I thought he'd have a loss by now, but you can't always land that punch. It took you six rounds to get there, and you were losing that fight. You won the hell out of the sixth round. <laughs> but you were losing that fight, Tank, and you're going to have to learn how to box if you want to fight with any of the other guys on that pound-for-pound list. I think it's or even being, in your own division. There's four guys in your own division you can't handle boxing like that. I think I think too. It, I mean, I'm I bet you he probably is a better boxer than what we see in the ring. I think he just still thinks he can get away with that. And it's been working. And so again, I thought maybe this would be the wake up call. Maybe it'll be in the next fight. Um he's gonna get he, he's gonna get exposed to somebody at or above his level. That well, is what's coming. happening. Yeah, yeah, and he's getting conditioned to believe this can happen. I've always talked about the, the largest one of those for me was Ronda Rousey. She's a tactician. She's better than everybody else at this one thing, and then, hey, I can just knock people out. And she starts getting attached to that, and then she tries to outbox Holly Holm. Uh, stupid 26-time world champion. That was dumb. And now Tank's in the same position. He's getting conditioned to believe he can land that one punch, and he's looking for it instead of winning rounds, which doesn't work. Ask Mike Tyson what happens when you get to the top of the game and you're conditioned to knock people out in the first few rounds. You get smoked. Somebody with a good jab smokes you. Again and again and again. It's a Holyfield. It's a Lewis. It's a, it's a who were they at the end? I mean, there were some guys, but they had a good jab. They could box. Had a decent jab. Tony could tell you all three of those guys, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, but that's, that's what it's going to take. Somebody with a good, strong jab is going gonna, is gonna to walk circles around Tank Davis, a la Shakur Stevenson, also overrated, doesn't know what to do with a straight right hand. Huh? I, I, these guys I, are going to lose. I, 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 these guys, I, I'm with you. They need to lose, but I, I think they they have the skills. I mean, Javante Davis, he has that athletic ability. He can come back from a loss. That that's the the the, the big problem with boxing. Everyone's chasing that. Oh, 
It look at like look at the UFC and no one's undefeated. Look at Charles Oliveira. He, after that loss, Javante Davis is either going to turn into a Charles Oliveira and get back and try and attempt to get back at the top of the lightweight division, or he's going to turn into a Deontay Wilder. But we, we need to see what he looks like in that face of adver- in staring into the eyes of adversity first. Do you so, remember Rocky Three? Yes. yes. Rocky's he dispatches Apollo Creed, right? And two, he's the champion of the world. Life is good, and he's beating up Thunderlips and any every other bum Mickey could find. Okay. And then Clubber Lang showed up. And Rocky didn't know he was fighting the bum of the month club. He didn't know that. And he went in. He yeah, and he went in there. I'll show Mickey what's up. And that didn't work out so good. So, I mean, listen. He was trying to protect you, Rock. (laughs) You don't necessarily need a loss, Jace, but you you need either for your your corner to be honest with you, with your manager to tell you, dude, like, listen, that same thing with Deontay Wilder. Same exact conversation could be had as far as Tyson Fury concerned. You you can't just land that right. You're going to have to get in there and box. You're going to have to not get hit as much. So I think these guys know what they got to do. I think Davis is probably more capable than we've seen him, but he's still trying to get, he's still trying to be Rocky three here. And I'm telling you when he gets in the the ring with Clubber Lang, he's, he's going to be in big trouble and it's going to be ugly. You watch Arthur Abraham versus Edison Miranda. They, they fought twice. Watch those fights, these guys, and then look up their stories. My God, it's easy to see why these guys stayed hungry. You know, one of them had a had a uh, system for figuring out if Rookill had been there too long to eat. He was homeless since he was five or six years old, just looking for his mom, walking across countries, 1,400 miles on foot when he was six or some shit. Easy to understand why a guy like that could stay hungry. I think the problem with Tank, when you say he knows what he has to do, is how at this level, with what he's got, with, you know, gold-plated toilet paper, how does this guy stay hungry? I don't see it. I think he goes in there to put on a show and thinks he can do it and is going to land that punch. And if he loses 116-112 to Romero, he goes, ah, no, I didn't. Tiafimo Lopez, Deontay Wilder, he's the greatest thing that ever happened and can't be beat. So he's starting to believe this, this BS and conditioning to himself to think this is how life is. And he's not going to stay hungry. And some hungry guy with losses, some Loma, some Charles Oliveira type is going to smash him and strip all those belts. And I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, uh, the the biggest thing, I think, to just sum up all what we're saying, the biggest thing with Javante Davis is there's no evolution. There's no growth. Same stuff. Same just looking for that uppercut. And and that's really all we want to see, even if it isn't a loss, even if it is getting bested by someone like Loma. If he can hang in there and not have to rely on landing that one thing, able to work something, that'd be great. And he has a bright future. But we just need to see some sort of evolution 
some sort of growth. From you know what I would have liked to have seen, Jace, is Davis boxed the crap out of Romero for the first five and then start yeah. swinging for the fences and knock him out in six. That would have felt good. You're like, oh, this guy looks like he's on the up and up. For Dude. one round. If I had one, one, one would have been good. One. And, and I'm not saying he lost every round. I don't even want to have that debate. But what I'm saying is he didn't dominate a round. Right. Come out, outbox the guy, show that you can do that, and then go lay him on the ground. You didn't show me that you can outbox any of these guys that you fought in, in your last in your last few fights. I have not seen you outboxing these guys. Did you outbox Isaac Cruz, Barrios, Santa Cruz? No, I didn't see it. Gamboa's the last guy you beat up. He was 58. Come on, man. Yeah. But uh, I, 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 mean, I, I, it looks like with what's going on tonight, Davis might get thrusted into to some tough competition, and let's see if he will rise to the occasion. But uh, I, I think we talked enough about Javante Davis for right one now. To, okay, one more. 47-31-1. Jermaine Moraz. 47-31-1-1 on one and one is his record. 47-31. Uh, on 10-8-2014. Uh, he was knocked down in the third round and the fifth round by Tank Davis, who won 60 to 52 on all three scorecards. That's the last time. He didn't lose a round on every judge's scorecards and went more than three rounds. So you've got a, another seven, eight, nine fights here where every single fight he's losing at least a round on every single core scorecard. And some of these guys can't fight. <laughs> some of these guys just aren't very good. If you don't knock them out, you lose these fights. You're 22 and 5 if you if you don't knock the guys out. Santa Cruz is still the biggest name on his resume. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's not a great name. <laughs> not at all. And you were and you were losing. It was three rounds apiece. When he got knocked out, I had it three rounds apiece. And every judge had it three rounds apiece when he got knocked out. 48-47, and I think Santa Cruz will give, will give him the benefit on, on the sixth before he went to sleep. Yeah. But uh, I, it's interesting. Uh, we need to see a, a, uh, like an Nganu type performance in, for uh, Javante Davis. Expand his, the evolution. Yes. The evolution. Where he's gonna turn into Deontay Wilder, but uh, all right, let's take a break. We got something fun with the NBA Finals starting. We're gonna we're gonna mesh the world of combat sports and basketball. But first, let's hear a word from one of our sponsors. Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement, but don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? How often are you thinking about it? The team at JPEX Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies in the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal, tailored plan. Lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident in your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. 
We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website and give us a call at 860-430-5397. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. JPEX Financial Group, LLC is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. JPEX Financial Group is located at 78 Eastern Boulevard, Glastonbury, Connecticut. All right, so the NBA Finals have started. Celtics took game one, game two's tonight. But now let's mix the world of combat sports and NBA, giving our starting five using combat sports athletes. So rather than do it like we normally do and we all rattle off our teams, let's go position by position here. Starting off with point guard, Joe, who you starting um, my point guard, uh, with the first pick of the draft, I select Vasily Lomachenko. Smart guy. I can see him handling the rock. You probably do it with both hands. Um, a field general. That's what I needed in my point guard. Tough as nails, too. Reminds me of Sherman Douglas. Uh, yeah, I, I like that. I like that. Well, for the record, this isn't a draft because I have Loma as well. But, uh, Jerry, it feels like got? one, though. Really? Wow, I can beat that twice. My backup point guard's better than that. Oh, Manny Pacquiao. He'd probably play semi-pro if he wasn't a boxer. And he's not my starting point guard. Haha, a little honorable mention there. Deron Williams. Yeah, sure. Okay. Deron oh, Williams. Deron okay. Williams versus Loma on a basketball court. Good luck, guys. Next. Who's your <laughs> this is the shooting guard? Okay. Yeah, I, I knew I knew Jared would be de- I, I knew Jared was gonna come with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean the, you, you can't go wrong with that that all star, you know. But uh I yeah, I mean I got Loma too. Uh, <laughs> I I think he'd be like a Chris Paul, you know. I, I think the way he sets up his his punches in the ring, just setting up guys to, to get open shots. Good hands defensively, footwork. Yeah, John Stockton, uh, Chris Paul, I, I think just that floor general running the whole offense, getting other guys involved, and defensively just being that quick with his hands and his footwork, I think he'll be able to get some steals, start some fast breaks. But all right, now shooting guard, Joe, who you got? Um, I've seen my, my shooting guard nail baskets on Instagram. He's quite the baller. He is only 5'8", which isn't particularly large for a shooting guard. Uh, but I select Omaha, Nebraska, lefty Terrence Bud Crawford as my shooting guard. I like that. Yeah, I do, Ooh, too. Got the Manu Ginobili, J- James Harden, like lefty shooting guard. I think that would be – yeah, I like that. Interesting. But uh, who you got there, Jared, at your shooting guard? Man, your Bud Crawford's getting schooled at shooting guard, too. And I've seen some videos of this guy playing ball back in his day in his prime. We're going to take Roy Jones Jr. as Ooh, shooting guard. Oh, yes. You're welcome. Wait, hold on. <laughs> I guess my question is, is is this the guys in their prime or if they were playing right now? No, that's, that's something we should have established. We see. There's never parameters here. <laughs> One of mine's I, dead, so <laughs> I did take my liberties at center. 
right. I mean, whatever you make of it. Uh, for me, shooting guard, I got a volume shooter, a guy who doesn't matter if he's going to miss. He's just going to keep taking shots. Shooter's going to shoot like he does in the octagon. Just a volume guy. Keep coming forward, throwing those punches. I got Max Holloway at my shooting guard. Doesn't doesn't worry if he misses a punch. Doesn't worry if he misses a shot. He's still gonna keep taking them, and that's what I want. So I got Max Holloway at shooting guard. Joe, who you got at the small forward? The three. I'm t- I'm two and zero. Oh, you guys know that, right? By the way, I think I've mentioned the name of everybody on my list in the first 17 minutes of the show. Well done. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know why he did that. I noticed it after I did. But uh, my small forward. Oh damn. He's <laughs> six. Six foot seven, coming out of Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Deontay Wilder. I like that. He's he's got the right frame to be a small forward in the NBA. And and again, before he into boxing, he was a baller. Oh yeah, he can ball. Yeah, he can indeed. Uh, I might have him coming up here in a little bit, too. So, but Jared, who you got at the small forward? Ah. Uh... Yeah, can't go three and zero with Wilder at at a uh, small forward. So two zero and one. Yeah, no, I like I like what well, that guy can ball too. You know, we have evidence yeah. that these guys can 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 play. Then you know, yeah. I I I have Deontay Wilder just not at my small forward. You got to him me, at the power. Right? Yeah, he's a power guy. I don't know. He's not a banger. He's kind of a pussy, to be honest. <laughs> You know what I mean? I kind of want him out on the wing more Stretch than like three. banging down low. That's just yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But uh, all right. For my small forward, I think when you're looking at the greats, uh, small forwards in history, the guys like the 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 LeBron James, Magic Johnsons, Scottie Pippins, Oscar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Julius Irving. These are guys that. Well, I mean, they were small forward. They, they could really go anywhere. Like, I, I mean, when Magic Johnson won the won the championship uh, his rookie year, in, in that game seven, they, they forced him to play center because Kareem was out. Like, a guy that could go everywhere. LeBron James playing point to center. I mean, so with that being said, I know he's going to be a little small here, but I got Manny Pacquiao. Just being able to go everywhere. Is a versatility five five a small forward? No, you're out of your mind. Hey, he can play center. Hey, it was I just. Why don't you put Wilder at the small forward and bring in your guy Greg Hardy to play the power? I mean, that just that. How makes is that my sense. guy? What you love Hardy? Always <laughs> talking about him. I've never what. Why don't you put Young? Anthony Joshua at point guard <laughs> and old Anthony Joshua center since we don't have parameters for the game. Okay. I love it. All right. All right. Well, I mean, I mentioned it already. Power forward, one of the most powerful uh, punchers in, in boxing history. Dante Wilder. And also, I mean, he was going to go to Alabama to play basketball, but due to his financial, his family's financial circumstances, he needed to get money quick, so therefore he chose the route of boxing, didn't have the, the time to dabble in school uh, at Alabama and get, get, get drafted. So, yeah, so I got Deontay Wilder at the power forward. Joe, who you got? 
My power forward is six foot seven inches. He weighs 253 pounds. He hails from the Soviet Union, Alexander Volkov. Huh? I'd like that guy banging underneath. That that just makes all the sense in the world. You guys are getting your butts kicked here. <laughs> I just I have to say, here's three oh and one out of five. One and oh boxer <laughs> you got from URI. Six foot ten. Oh Anybody? Lamar Odom. Lamar Odom, that power forward. Is this Lamar Odom on crack? Or <laughs> is, this Lamar, is this Lamar Odom on the Kardashians? Because that You know, when you said <laughs> I've mentioned every name earlier in the show, I said, oh, damn. <laughs> just just oh, to get that, that one in. But, uh, yeah, Lamar Odom, dude. NBA. Right. He's in the NBA. Wait, He's why didn't anybody take Nate Robinson as their point guard? Well, Darren Williams is the answer to that yeah. question. But I guess well, Williams plays shooting, shooting guard. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then Nate Robinson We're putting Robinson together a plays. pretty good basketball this team. This is a bad yeah, You know, Odom yeah. forward, yeah. And, hey, to be fair to us, Roy, Roy, Pac-Man, and Wilder all may have played pro basketball if boxing didn't exist. All three of those guys liked that game, played that game, and were good at that game. So we do have some fighters here. They're not just crossover NBA stars, but this is this is quite a hell of a basketball team. Yeah. Well, I I, I didn't put him on my list because I thought you were gonna you'd mention him, but James Johnson as well, former oh, yeah. Heat, former Raptors player. He has a professional MMA record. I think he's like one and zero. So, but uh, I rounded off at center. I got six nine. I think on the basketball court. I mean, what he can do in the the ring. Uh, I think on the basketball court, he'd be like a, a Nikolai Jokic, a guy that could just do it all. Big guy, you, your jaw just drops at the things he can do. Tyson Fury, I'm at my center. Joe, who you got? Well, just because I need to top you now, and because I didn't, I didn't know where you're playing by prison rules here on, on this one. My, my selection <laughs> is seven feet, two inches, 225 pounds. He's a former number one overall pick in the NBA. His name is Ferdinand Lewis Alcinder Jr. You know him best as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah. You know what? He was in that movie with Bruce Lee. So I'll take him out. You yeah. Oh, we're playing like that, aren't we? Combat sports guy, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, for the win. I don't, I don't see his fights, though. Fair enough. So here's what I'm really going to do. Here's my was, actual written-down selection. I didn't realize it was prison rules. Well, Chamberlain. Here's my new selection. He is seven foot tall. He is 265 pounds. He hails from the Netherlands, Stephen Struve. Uh, That's my center, because I can't right. have Kareem, I guess. Um, and mine is he went one and zero against Sammy Davis Jr. Look Ooh. it up, Wilt Chamberlain <laughs> versus Sammy Davis Jr. Do you remember the the video? Oh my clip? god, oh, hilarious! A, a skit with 
No, so not Will Chamberlain because he doesn't box. But uh, Gogia Mitu. In 1935, he had two professional fights, and he's seven foot four. I'll take my chances. Not bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I had a different center of mine. I, I know I, I couldn't figure out her name. I know that you know Jared. She's like a six foot nine Muay Thai fighter. Uh, I think she fought like Cyborg. I was going to say that since we're all from Connecticut, got to show some women's basketball some love. I was going to pick her, but I couldn't, I couldn't find her name. It was like something Barr, right? I want to say Roseanne Barr, but that's not. Yeah, I let's know. call her Roseanne Barr because that's definitely uh, wrong, uh, <laughs> but hilarious and memorable. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't find her Wait, name. Wait, so right? your center's what? Like a six-foot-tall woman? No, she was like six, she's like six nine. Oh, Gabby Garcia? No, not Gabby Garcia. Damn, I don't remember. I, I, I gotta Are find you that out. sure you didn't make this woman up in your no, head? No, no. We, I, I, I remember talking. We, I'm pretty sure we talked about her on the show. I, I, I don't remember. I, I will find that out. But a six foot nine woman that wrestles—that like sounds that. like the woman of your dreams. She was a Muay Thai fighter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the uh, woman of your I, dreams or the woman you're talking about? Or both? Uh, <laughs> listen. Listen. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I don't know. But uh, all right. Uh, let's take a break. That, that was a good, that was fun. Who you got? Uh, I think we all have good ones. I mean, should, yeah, I, I guess we'll give you the, if he's got a black belt, I think we give you. Uh, I'll take Kareem. Kareem. Yeah, I was thinking about Megan Anderson, 6'2", but I mean, no, I, I need to figure, I'll, I'll figure out this this woman's name because it, it, it's haunting me. It's been haunting me all morning. I've been trying to look it up, but uh, all right, let's take a break, and then we got some big, big fights to talk about tonight, so stay tuned. There's no bigger investment than home ownership, and to make sure the house is up to your standards, you need a professional to look it over. Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections is a licensed home inspector and a member of the Connecticut Association of Home Inspectors. Brian was a contractor for over 15 years, so he knows how homes should be constructed and how mechanicals should work. What makes me a good home inspector was the 20 years that I was a home improvement person doing all the different repairs that I have done and what other people have done wrong that I had to go out and fix. So I have a pretty quick eye on seeing what's right and what's wrong. Before you move, call Shamrock Home Inspections. Before you make the biggest investment of your life, call Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections at 860-268-2566 or visit shamrockhomeinspectionct.com. Live from the Apex in Las Vegas, it's UFC Fight Night. Volkov versus Rosenstrike featuring a heavyweight bout between former Bellator heavyweight world champion Alexander Volkov and Jerzinho Rosenstrike. Let's break it down. Jerzinho Rosenstrike is 34 years old. He's six foot two with a 78-inch reach and a record of 12 and 3 with 11 knockouts. Born in Paramaribo, Suriname, he began training in martial arts at the age of 17 before moving to the Netherlands and beginning a successful career in kickboxing that saw him compile a record of 76-8 and eight with 64 knockouts. He made a brief foray into a professional MMA in 2012, 
but didn't return to the sport until 2017 when he scored a one-round blowout of Marvin Aboli. He made his UFC debut in 2019, defeating Junior Albini by second-round knockout, followed that up with fast knockouts of Alan Crowder and Andre Arlovsky, both of which occurred within seconds of the fight starting. In his next fight, he took on Alistair Overeem as a last-minute replacement and was dominated from the start, throwing only two to three punches per round until he was able to catch Overeem with a left hook and a right cross combination with just four seconds left in the fight. On May 9th, 2020, he suffered his first loss when he faced Francis Ngannou, getting knocked out 20 seconds into the fight after getting caught by a wild flurry of punches from the future heavyweight champion. He bounced back in August, knocking out Junior Dos Santos in the second round, and on February 27th, 2021, he took on fellow top contender Ciro Gon, but was dominated from the start, getting picked apart at distance with jabs and leg kicks, while also getting completely controlled by Gon's superior wrestling skills. He returned to the cage four months later with a complete blowout of Brazil's Augusto Sakai, coming out aggressively and stopping him with a powerful series of punches, with just one second remaining in the first round. However, just three months later, he dropped a unanimous decision to Curtis Blades, getting taken down multiple times despite closing Blades' right eye in an otherwise boring and lackluster affair. A well-polished counter-striker with world-class kickboxing skills, Rosa Stroik tends to be rather tentative and measured in his fights, but possesses devastating one-punch knockout power in both hands. Alexander Volkov is 33 years old. He's six foot seven with an 80-inch reach and a record of 34 and 10 with 22 knockouts and three submissions. From Moscow, Russia, he made his professional debut in 2009 with an 80-second knockout of Nikolai Pleshikov. After going 14-3 with 13 stoppages, he had his first major test, beating former UFC champion Rico Rodriguez by unanimous decision. In 2012, he won the Bellator Heavyweight Championship with a decision over Richard Hale, but in his next fight, lost the belt via first-round knockout to Vitaly Minikov. He bounced back with a five-fight winning streak, including knockouts of Mark Holada and Mighty Mo, but then dropped two straight decisions to Tony Johnson and Czech Congo. He made his UFC debut in 2011, defeating Tim Johnson by decision, and over the next year followed it up with a decision over Roy Nelson and brutal knockouts over contenders Steven Struve and former champion Fabrizio Verdum. On October 6, 2018, he took on powerhouse Derek Lewis, putting on a masterclass and hurting Lewis multiple times while leading on all three scorecards, he was knocked out with a thunderous right cross with only 11 seconds remaining. After defeating Greg Hardy, Volkov dropped a lopsided decision to Curtis Blades getting out-wrestled, taking down a record 14 times. He came back just four months later, knocking out Walt Harris with a vicious kick to the midsection, followed by a barrage of punches. Next, he took on UFC veteran Alistair Overeem, dominating the fight with his technical striking and then blasting him out with a devastating left hook in the second round. After a hard-fought decision lost to Cyril Gon that June, he returned three months later, putting on a dominant performance against Poland's Marcin Tabura. However, on March 19, 2022, he was quickly overwhelmed by rising British prospect Tom Aspinall, getting taken down twice in the first round and submitted via armbar. Perhaps the most polished technical striker in the division, Volkov is patient in his approach, controlling the distance and rarely loading up on shots, preferring to overwhelm his opponents with volume, throwing at a rate of nearly five strikes per minute. 
Will the volume and tactical proficiency of Volkov be able to overwhelm Rosenstrike, or will Big Boy's devastating power be too much as both men seek to fight their way back into title contention? Tune in Saturday night to UFC Fight Night Volkov versus Rosenstrike, and let's find. All right. Who will come out victorious in UFC Vegas 56, Joe? Um, I here's the thing. Listen, this is two really patient fighters. So the chances of this thing going out to five are good. And if it, it goes to five, I, you got to figure Volkov wins the fight by decision. He doesn't have to worry about getting taken down. He doesn't have to worry about getting wrestled. He probably could take Roger strike down a little bit. Uh, so he'll be in position to win the fight. Now, Rosenstrike, five rounds. I don't know what that cardio is going to look like, but, again, this is a guy who, and it's happened to Volkov before, get his lights put out at any moment. Volkov's a volume guy. He, he does like to, you know, he's not a big puncher, but he likes to get in there and work it, uh, and that's where you get slipped and you can get knocked out. I'm going to say Rosenstroik wins this by TKO in the third round against my better judgment because I, I, I really do think Volkov wins this by decision, but I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like Rosenstroik, he, he's, he's kind of due for one of them big knockouts that Jace loves. Yeah, I do. I love knockouts. We need one of those. Yeah. Like, you probably don't even see it coming. Volkov does, like, a clinch, and he pops him, and all of a sudden, Rosenstrike just loads up, and bam Lights out. He's down for, like, three and a half minutes. Yeah, I can see that happening. Uh, I mean, they, I mean, now that you bring it up, they, I'm, I'm, that's where I'm going with. I'm going with Rosenstrike. Streak. I think he's going to knock him out. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, but you're right. If it does go to decision, it's going to favor Volkov. Rosenstrike, he's going to have to knock him out. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, or either, yeah, one second left. But I love that. That is one of the craziest fights in history. But, Jared, how do you see this playing out? Um, <laughs> so you tell me. Harder puncher, better striker, more likely to land a good punch. More likely to land that knockout punch. Um, is it Czech Congo? Is it Roy Nelson? Is it Greg Hardy, Curtis Blades, Walt Harris, Overing, Cyril gone? These are all decisions and knockout wins. Um, the, the time Volkov got caught by Derek Lewis at the end of the third round in their fight, a lot of more technically sound fighters have not been able to stop Volkov unless he's aged in a way that, um, you know, he's kind of fallen off the other end. You got to take him here. He has many, many more ways to win. So I'm the outlier. I'm taking Volkov. Volkov has not won a headliner fight in his last three. Whenever he's the main event, he loses. 
and and 2018 when he beat Fabrizio Verdum is the last time he had a fight night with his name as the main event card where he walked out of there victorious. I'd love to see it. I love Volkov, and and I I I hate that people are so dismissive of this guy because I think I mean he's really good, and if you look at the losses, there's there's nobody on his list that I think he needs to be embarrassed by. You know, maybe Pat Bennett, but um, this this guy this guy's a banger. He bangs with everybody. He's always in the fight. So. I don't know. He's one of my favorites. And yeah, unlike Rosenstruck's kickboxing career, he doesn't have anything to be embarrassed about by the names of the losses. Oh in- yeah. 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 This, Rose- this is two yeah. this is two pretty elite heavyweights. And I but I think a lot of people still like I don't think Volkov is a gatekeeper yet. I still think Agreed. he's very active in this division, and I think he's a good a good win or two away from getting another shot at the title. And he's got to beat Rosenstrike because he's definitely got to beat somebody else to to get closer to the top here. But this guy's a really good fighter, and again, sort of in the mold of Tyson Fury for that size to 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 have sort of the skill set he does. Kind of makes him very special. Being a Muay Thai guy at 6'7", I mean, good Lord, with the knees. I mean, his knees are at your chin, pretty much, you know, just standing there. Yeah. But at, regardless, this is going to be a great fight. I mean, two heavyweights, no one's looking to – no one's going to wrestle. No one's going to lean on each other. It's just going to be brawling and nice – yeah, Tony and I were talking about that the other day, right? Everybody remembers he got knocked out by Lewis, but they don't remember he was kicking Lewis's ass for 4.85 rounds that night. More ways to win. It's what I'm saying. When these guys get in the cage together, Rosenstruck might land something. But how do you see him winning minute to minute if he doesn't? This is this is Tank Davis-ish. I expect him to lose rounds until he makes magic or goes away. Yeah. And under four and a half is plus money, Joe. So take a look at that. Ooh. Under three and a half, I think. That said, too, Volkov's only been knocked out twice in his career, which obviously is, is, is you know spanned across the globe, including where Jace loves Bellator. You know, <laughs> guy's been everywhere. Yeah. So uh, for, for to, to only get knocked out twice and all that time this guy's been going at it. I mean, that's that's 44 professional fights. It is going to be tough for Rosenstroik. But I, to me, I think Rosenstroik is quickly losing relevancy in this division because after he got knocked out by Francis Ngannou, I kind of thought he was a better Francis Ngannou until Nganu knocked him out in 20 seconds. And then I was like, oh, he sucks. <laughs> well, and all of those big banger tank Davis types are. Let's be fair. Blades, Lewis, Rosenstruck. Who doesn't fit the mold? Cyril gone because he's a tactician. And uh and Nganu because he's made some wholesale changes. He's made some huge adjustments to grow past Rosenstruck. 
Um, and this is what Jace was saying earlier. If Tank Davis doesn't make those wholesale adjustments, Lewis, Blades, Rosenstruck, you're all three running out of time to be relevant if you don't learn how to fight past that punch. And this is a, this, this, man, Volkov could totally, totally dominate this fight and wash this guy out. I'm not going to be shocked. Rosenstruck can't totally dominate this fight from pillar to post and win by decision 50 45. I don't think he can do that. I don't think. Oh, not at all. Rosenstruck's only chance is loading up a big right hand and catching Volkov maybe in, in the middle of a kick or something, kind of a la what, what Lewis did. Sort of catch him there with a big bang, and that's it, and he's and he's done. He's not going to outfight anybody. That's certainly not what he does. He's only ever gone the distance once. That was against Ciro Ghana, and it wasn't even close. He also lost the, the, his last fight out, place. lost the Blades. I mean, you know. That people are talking yeah. about. Tell, tell me how Tank wins any other 30 second gap of that fight without landing that punch. He's losing Jared. every exchange. Jared, I what would, I, I, I almost, I would say, I don't know if I've ever done this before. I think this is the first time I've ever picked a guy who I think is just going to slip him at some point in the fight. And it might be the only good moment of the night for Rosenstreich. And, That's and again, a good yeah, That's I a mean, good right? I, I, I can just as easily see Volkov beating the daylights out of Rosenstrike and him not, not ever even landing or throwing anything significant in this fight. That could also happen. I don't know why, dude, and I hate to pick like this. I just have this weird nagging feeling that Rosenstrike is going to catch him and knock him out. And in my mind, I'm seeing the number three, so that's why I said the third round. But that just might be Volkov seeing triple when he gets hit by it. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's a vision I'm having. Charles got some like bones he's throwing into. Yeah, well, I mean, well, the thing with Rosenstrike is, I mean, obviously he's looking for that punch, but also, I mean, besides the Ngannou loss, with. He, the loss to Gone and Blades was due to wrestling. I mean, he got uh, Gone had a whole, had a whole round of control time and two takedowns on him. Uh, Blades, that's his game plan all, all the time to take you down. If it's not going to happen, I think more of an opportunity for Rosenstrike to land something. So I, I like that. I, I'll, I'll go round four. Just, uh, I like that round three. Not for win. nothing, though. Listen, if, you, if you're going to fight somebody and you know that they're going to wrestle you and the takedowns start a minute into the fight in the first round and you lose by decision because you kept getting taken down, you're a jackass and you deserve to lose. Right? I mean, listen, credit to Francis Ngannou for the Stipe fight, right? And again, everybody going, no, he stuffed one takedown. Relax. But it was the only one he needed. It was the only one he needed, and he then he landed all the damage, and then the fight was over a couple of minutes later. But you you got to be able to get in that situation where, I mean, dude, Volkov could go in there and take Rosenstrike to the ground and keep him pinned for four and a half rounds. If, and, and, and this like is I a said, great comment, because if it hadn't happened, you wouldn't think it could happen. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
And it's funny, you know, Tony and I, we've watched that fight a couple of times together. And I always say, dude, you know, again, these Russian guys, there was no reason for Volkov to be engaged with Derek Lewis at that moment in the fight. If he was an American fighter, he'd have been running around the ring with his arms up, avoiding contact for the last 20 seconds. Chase him around, yep. Right. I mean, the Korean Zombies lost to Rodriguez, to me, one of the best losses anyone's ever had in their life. He already went. The fight was over. Calvin Qatar. Calvin Qatar goes on that list. Hell yeah, he does. (laughs) Yes, he does. Greatest losses ever. I don't know what Rosenstreich is going to do if Volkov just starts taking him down because when that happens, Rosenstreich, uh, like Derek Lewis sometimes, you're like, have you ever been in a gym and on your back before? Have you even done anything with, like, at all? Dude, it's so, like Dada or, or Slice. It's just like, what? Oh, God. If it, Where if, am if, I? If, if Volkov <laughs> sees he can't do if he gets it down, he sees uh, that Rosenstreich can't get up, that's going to be the whole fight. And Volkov will win it by decision. So Rosenstreich, if he can't stop any of that stuff, He's in big trouble here, because like Jared said, he's got no other skill set. And you're that—that's making you irrelevant. If Tank Davis was in the UFC, we wouldn't know who he is. Also, I he mean, would have had to fight those guys, and just like Rosenstruck would get to that point where here you are now, and you're going to be irrelevant because you don't have the versatility to hang with guys like Alexander Volkov. What made Rosenstruck a name in the first place? It was. Knockout, right? One round. Knockout, first round. Knockout, first round. Knockout, first round. A uh, uh, split decision. Knockout, first round. Knockout, second round. Knockout, first round. Knockout, first round. Then he went five with Overeem and caught him at the end there. And um, it's been a really mixed bag for him since, and it's been all elite competition since then. What do you call a fight between two gatekeepers? Uh, Sander, I'm already insisting Volkov is not a gatekeeper and Rosenstreich is quickly he's heading that way. No, he's, no, Rosenstreich, no, no, no. This guy will not be a gatekeeper either. Oh, not yeah. Getting knocked like, out. That's not, you sure. need a durable, a versatile, durable guy to be a gatekeeper, Rosenstreich. And neither one of these guys, because Volkov will fade away as soon as he's not relevant. And Rosenstruck will fade away as soon as he doesn't catch Volkov. Neither one of these guys looks like a gatekeeper to me. Yeah, I, I, well, here's the thing, too. I mean, again, outside of the Oberim fight, and other than Andre Orlovsky, Junior Dos Santos, who's like a million years old. Um, yeah. Versatile. Yeah, he hasn't, listen, this guy hasn't matched up well with the guys at the top. No, so, if he can't beat Volkov, I don't know that he even needs to be in the UFC anymore. Damn. Because the much better version of him and the one that did evolve into a much better fighter is the champion of the world. So you don't yeah. need two of those guys. You're right. But I, I don't see why he's going to be in the UFC. Everyone loves a heavyweight who can put someone to sleep. It's just not. He hasn't been putting guys to sleep lately, though. Well, I fell asleep during his last two fights. All right. All right. We spent a a lot of time talking about this, but let's let's get into the the big, big fight tonight. 
Or is it even tonight? I know it's in Australia. It might be during the day. I don't know. But, uh, all right, let's get into it. Who will be undisputed? Boxing's undisputed lightweight champion. Joe breaks it down for us. Coming up Saturday night live from Melbourne, Australia. It's undisputed. A lightweight unification match between WBA Super, IBF, WBO, and the ring lightweight champion George Cambasos Jr. and WBC lightweight champion Devin Haney. Let's break it down. Devin Haney's 23 years old. He's 5'8 with a 71-inch reach and a record of 27-0 with 15 knockouts. From Oakland, California, Haney started boxing at the age of 8 and by 17 had won seven national titles and became the youngest boxer to win the Youth World Championships. He amassed an amateur record of 138 and 8, including three losses and three wins against Ryan Garcia before turning pro in 2015 with a first-round TKO. He quickly went 15 and 0 with 14 knockouts before picking up his first belt, the vacant IBF North American lightweight title with a 10-round unanimous decision over Juan Carlos Burgos. The following year he picked up the vacant WBC international belt with a decision over Zolasani Indogani and defended it once, knocking out Antonio Moran with a vicious overhand right. In his next fight, he took on Zayur Abdulev for the vacant WBC interim title as the sanctioning body had recently promoted Vasily Lomachenko to franchise champion. After four rounds, Abdulev's corner stopped the fight to spare him further punishment. In November of 2019, he defended the belt with a unanimous decision over Alfredo Santiago injuring his shoulder in the process and didn't return to the ring for a year until taking on former two-time world champion Yoriorkis Gamboa, winning by a lopsided unanimous decision after thoroughly outboxing him for the 12 rounds. On May 29, 2021, he took on former three-time champion Jorge Linares, dominating most of the fight and surviving a vicious combination in the tent to secure the unanimous decision in his toughest fight to date. And seven months later, put on arguably his best performance, utilizing his slick footwork and stiff jab to dominate Jojo Diaz and route to a wide unanimous decision. A slick counterpuncher with good head movement and fast hands, he uses his snapping jabs to set up his combinations while avoiding staying in the pocket for too long. George Cambasos Jr. is 28 years old. He's 5'9", with a 68-inch reach and a record of 20-0 with 10 knockouts. From Sydney, Australia, Cambasos was first introduced to boxing at 11 years old as a way to lose weight after being bullied at school. He began fighting as an amateur, and after compiling a record of 85 and 25, he turned pro in May of 2013 with the second-round knockout of Jason Makura. In his sixth pro fight, he won the Australian lightweight title with a 10-round decision over Robert Toomey. After winning his next six, he won the IBF Pan Pacific title with a dominant performance over Thailand's Cray Set Thapafin, dropping him multiple times and stopping him in the ninth round. That same year, he was picked to be a sparring partner for Manny Pacquiao in his preparation for the Jeff Horn fight and remained his sparring partner until Pac-Man's retirement in 2021. The following year, he defended his belt twice, knocking out Jose Ferrero in 1 minute and 48 seconds and then stopping J.R. Magbu in the second round. In 2019, he took on former IBF lightweight champion Mickey Bay, dropping him in the 10th to win by split decision. And the following year, won another close split decision over former champion Lee Shelby. On June 5, 2022, he shook up the boxing world when despite coming in as a 13-1 underdog, 
He dropped unified world champion Teofimo Lopez in the first round, then proceeded to rough him up and batter him en route to a split decision victory and one of the biggest upsets in recent memory. A relentless pressure fighter, ferocious as solid footwork and is excellent at cutting off the ring, he also possesses a powerful left hook and a devastating right cross. Will the fast hands and slick counter punching of Haney bring a victory? Or will the unrelenting pressure and powerful combination of Cambasos be enough to overwhelm the dream as both men seek to establish themselves as the very best in the lightweight division? Tune in Saturday night to Undisputed Cambasos versus Haney. And let's find out. All right, Joe, who will leave Australia the Undisputed? So- Here's what I'm going to tell you right now. This fight is going the distance. Both of these guys have only knocked out about half of their opponents. Each of their last four fights have gone the distance, and it's been against the upper echelon of, of fighters, okay? Um, I, I think that this is going to be a, a really well-fought fight. I think it's going to be two good boxers going at it. I mean, Haney just loves to jab to death. Um, I think this one's going to be super close, a 115-113, and they're going to give it to Haney because boxing is corrupt. Sam, all right. But, I mean, because boxing's so you so with that being said, I, I'm assuming that you think Combosis is going to win. I think Combosos will have, have in my mind, won seven of the rounds at least, and somehow Haney will get the win. Damn, all right. Jared, how do you see it playing And they'll say something like, well, he hit him harder with a right at some point, and that was the difference, or some nonsense. I just just sent you guys a clip. um, Because I see somebody getting knocked out here. I get it. They've only knocked about half their guys out. Good opposition, but a not very, very hard puncher. Got Devin Haney in a position where if there were 30 seconds left in the round, Devin Haney has a loss on his record. Um, Jorge Linares clipped this guy. Do you guys remember that? That was the knee buckle. Yes, sir. And then I think he pointed to the corner. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. I'll right never this forget way, that. my friend. <laughs> yeah. That was one of my favorite moments of the year. 100%. Yeah. Right. He was you like, he did check a life's got your corners that away. It just seems to me oh, that Haney, Haney can take a licking and keep on ticking. I, I, I'm not a big Haney fan. But I, I have to admit, that guy can definitely take punches. Because I thought Lenaris was going to put him out. I wanted Lenaris to put him out so bad. And then how'd that fight end? Well, Lenaris isn't isn't the fighter that uh, Cambosis is. True that. And they're both bigger. Like Lopez, Cambosis, they, they cut. They cut. Not that Haney doesn't. But this is, I don't know, this is a little bit bigger guy, a little bit better puncher. Yeah, well, we didn't even mention Cambosos did miss weight. They was able to rectify it, and the fight's still on, and Haney does not have his dad in his corner. Um, Should be interesting. Whew. 
But uh, yeah, I can see somebody getting stopped here, but um, I I don't think it's Cambosis. I I think he's got the grit and durability here, and that's what it's going to come down to is durability and Cambosis. He came up with it, and Haney, you know, it's, who's the hungrier guy here? Uh, a million percent. Listen, Cambosos, you know, again, at one point was uh, Manny Pacquiao's punching bag. Like, did that for a job and enjoyed the hell out of it. And oh, I don't straight think. Straight up, too. I How old was Laris? If that Ooh. was Laris. Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, Plus, that was also like a three-year layoff for Lenoris as well. I, you did all hear me say I'm picking Cambasos, right? Did I say that? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no. I, I let, let me explain Both myself roughly. one more time. Cambosos going to win the fight. I just don't know that they're going to officially say he won the fight is, is yeah. my point. Yeah, that, that was like uh, me with the Usyk and Joshua. Your prediction is a Judge Robert, just so we're clear. <laughs> yes. yes. A, controversial, a controversial split decision, and everybody's like, what were you watching? Yeah, it's going to yeah. be one of those. Uh, nine to three, eight to four, nine to three, Cambosos. I think I think boxing's got a lot invested in these young guys, the Haney's, Davis, Lopez. Like that's the next generation of boxers. I don't know that they consider Cambasos in that group. He put himself in that group, but he's like that. You know, he's like Stipe. Like, oh, I, we don't want Stipe to be the champ. Oh, you know, crying out loud. When, um... I think I think Cambasos. Kind of crash the party. I don't think boxing loves it. And if he doesn't knock out Haney, Haney leaves with all the belts. One of the best one of those in the history of combat sports is when I first started uh, dating my now wife. Um, and his name was Chris Weidman. And she didn't like all the antics of whoever this Silva guy was. And hadn't watched him for two decades like her future husband had. And there was a little back and forth. And then there was even a yes, yes, one of those where she got a little too excited when when her guy won. But I had to explain to her this was the guy that beat the guy that beat the guy and not the next guy. He's not going to win 10 fights. <laughs> Absolutely. So this, like, Loma, everybody's high on Loma. Lopez beats Loma. Oh, my God, Cambosis beats Lopez. Here we are. How good are those other two guys? I could tell you Loma's one of the best on the planet and that Lopez is bigger than Loma and probably won that fight. Mm. Right. I like this comment, too, and I got to tell you, the part I'm shocked by is I didn't know that my brother knew about the Attitude Era of wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked by that. News wow. This dude knows everything. Uh, boxing doesn't love the underdog anymore. This is the brash Instagram era, sort of like the Attitude Era of wrestling. Yeah, I think that's 100% true, and that's why they, they like the Haney's and the, and the Shakur Stevenson's. And the Teofimo Lopez is they're cocky, they're Same arrogant. Davis. You know, they got two million followers on the gram. Boom. You know, it, again, I love Cambasos for for what this guy's done and how he's gotten there and how hard he's worked to earn the spot. 
Nobody handed it to him. You don't need to go out there. I mean, again, to go out there and beat Teofimo Lopez. And and to me, this was that was like a, a, a Canelo uh bibble right there. It was like, I'll fight this guy, I can kick his ass. No, you can't. Uh-huh. Uh and guy. you found that out the hard way. So yeah, dude, you know, uh I saw something, uh uh his he's got like a tattoo, never surrender. Um I just I think Cambasso, oh. like you said, the fire in the belly. This guy still has a lot to prove. Uh, yeah, he, he's gonna have a great night tonight. Answer this one, Jace. Uh, Same way, Prime Loma, Chavez Senior, Lomachenko. Uh, I mean, you know my biases. I'm gonna go Julio Cesar Chavez Senior. Yeah, I'm definitely going Lomachenko. Like, <laughs> just this guy's on a completely different level than anybody else who's ever boxed. Uh, yeah, I'll take Loma too. The volume, straightforward pressure fighter is the guy he does best against. This this guy's. I don't want to say Taylor made because he's a great, great, one of the all-time greatest fighters, but that's the guy I want to – I'm a long jab, stay on the outside, please come forward. When I get in there with a counterpuncher, it's boring. I want that straightforward type of guy, and so does Loma, and he styles make fights. This is a bad matchup for Chavez. Yeah, but uh, all right, back, back to this. I, I didn't get to say my prediction. But uh, Anthony Johnson, back, right? L- listen, flies go, in in a parachute, <laughs> helicopter parachute, and crashes. Knocks Ma- both them out. Listen, make sure right. you guys, all you listeners, make sure you subscribe to Throwing Jabs Podcast on YouTube. Go back there. Go back to the, our December fourth episode. That is right when Cambosos Jr. beat Tiafimo Lopez, and I said. If Cambosos fights Haney, Haney's gonna have a tough time. Like you mentioned with that 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 one thing that that with, with Lenaris, why that fight was so hard for Haney was the, the hooks. Everything down the middle, Haney's great with. When it's coming to the side, he struggles. And that's what Lenar Lenaris was landing on him. That's why he struggled. And then you go and you look at that Tiafimo Lopez Cambosos fight. Where was Combosos having the most success. It was with those hooks, those check hooks here and there. So I think you got the. I, I think that's going to be the. That's what's going to put Combosos, uh, give him the edge. And I think that's what's going to put Haney to sleep. Uh, I'm put a number on it. Kimbosos. Put a number on it. What rounds he going down? Seven. I'm taking seven. Jace is very aggressive. He's going to go five. He wants to go four, but he feels like that's too quick. Am I uh, right? You're trying to settle out a middle no. round, and you're like, is that too early? No, you, you're right. I, I was thinking seven. Jared just said seven. I'm going to go. I'm, I'm a knockout guy, so I'm going to go five. Yeah, I'm going to go five. Five, Combosos, Hook. Let's go, baby. Now, I let would me love that something. if that happened. Now, um, when you have – see, I've done a lot of scrub scraps. You guys know that. So I fought about, you know, 30, 40 people who – I didn't know what I was getting. Um, and sometimes there comes a problem when you know what you're getting. Haney has this problem. Shakur Stevenson has this problem. Let me explain. When you're boxing and you've got your six, you know, no hybrid punches, your basic punches are one, two's a little shorter, three's a little shorter, and they come back to you four, five, six. They get shorter as they go. 
so that when you're leading, this makes the most sense, your jab to lead. Ali started throwing the anchor punch with Foreman. He landed it six times in the first round with Foreman. Anchor punch, straight right hand. Doesn't work much with people who don't know what they're doing because they expect you to bring your power first. You might even line up with your feet in the wrong way to get your power closer to them. But anybody with some experience is going to go through that same progression. So Loma um, and Cambosis, I saw this with Lopez. When you step and go backwards through those numbers, two, one, the second punch becomes longer. Three, two, the second punch becomes the longer because the numbers are going backwards, right? So you're closer from that, that straight right hand, Shakira Stevenson. If, if, if whoever he fought, Nunez or whatever the guy's name was, if he had been throwing one, two, he'd have missed that straight right hand. He was leading with the right hand, and Stevenson was like, all the boxers in the gym that we teach exactly how to box perfectly never do that. I've never seen that before because he's never done a scrub scrap. That's what Shakur Stevenson needs, five or six scrub scraps. He'll knock those guys out, but he'll see a bunch of stuff he's never seen before. And Haney has that same problem when guys go backwards through the progression, like Jason's talking about the hooks. It's not just to come in 3-4, three, 3-4. Four, three, four. It's to come in without that natural progression from 2 to 3-4, right? From 3 to 2-3-4. Two, so you're going backwards through the numbers, getting closer to the guy and giving them something like advanced level. When, when Loma uh, does lateral movement, it looks unorthodox. It's not. It's exactly what he's supposed to be doing. That's how everybody should be boxing. But it's so advanced, it's so high level that when you see it, it looks unorthodox. And that's what Cambosis does. That's what Loma does. I've seen some of those things. And I think he catches Haney. I think that same 3-2 Lenora is hit, landed. Because the three got him in. And it got blocked, and the two went way further than it was supposed to because the numbers were working backwards, and Haney needed to be escorted to his corner. That could be the same shot Cambosis lands in round seven. Yeah. All right. I, I love it. Well, I mean, we're all going Cambosis. Joe just has politics getting in the way. Of I hate that boxing is like this, but it is. And yeah. – I, I really I think that Cambosos do it again. I mean, I feel like I was gonna say if he drops him a couple of times, they they can still pull some BS. They'll 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 still find a way. Uh and and Tony, tell me if I'm wrong. Is uh who's putting on this fight tonight? Is this Haney's people? Because yes, yes. if it's Haney's people, they're also picking the ref and the judges. So, well, the ref's going to be the one to save Haney in the third minute of round seven when he gets caught with the left. <laughs> the left hook's going to miss, but it's a setup punch for the straight right hand. And that's yeah. that's the punch that's going to stop it. Third minute, round seven. Book it. Cambosos knocks out Haney. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Eddie Hearn. Uh, if, if, if Eddie Hearn's got anything to say about this, Haney's winning this fight tonight. If yeah. Cambasso says anything to say about it, he wins the fight tonight. Shit's getting dead. But it's also in Australia. That's 
It's one of my new sayings. Shit's getting <laughs> depth in here. Uh, I heard that. Yeah. But uh, it, it's in Australia. And also remember uh, the Jeff Horn fight against uh, Manny Pacquiao. That was also in Australia. Everyone scratched their head around that. So maybe well, like bigger guy, unorthodox punches, all of those things I was saying. That's what you're getting with Cambosis Haney. Same thing. Unorthodox guy with uh, so advanced that it looks unorthodox, let's say. And Haney's going to see things he hasn't seen before. Yeah. All right. I, I'm excited. It's going to be a fun, fun fight. The biggest secret is that, yeah, you're paid by the promoter. Yep. I remember, I, I think it was. Teddy Atlas was on the Joe Rogan podcast years ago, and he's talking about how, like, if you go to like the finest restaurant any the night before the fight, you'll see the promoter just whining and dining with all the judges and that stuff. So, you know what it reminds me of is uh, court. I've been to prison a few times, and it reminds me of court because you see those guys—they're your public defender, you know—and he's like, "Huh, this is my guy." And it's like, nah, those are your guys, homie. <laughs> I'm not on your team. I don't care how many nice things you have to say to me. As soon as he hits that gavel and says recess, you guys are going to go have a cup of coffee together. It looks like you're arguing and one of you hates me and one of you really likes me. And it's this big show where you should all be on that side of the table. Yep. And that's what we have in boxing. And it's not quite as frustrating as the judicial system, but it's getting there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, uh, before we wrap up the fights tonight, I mean, we just talked about two in the biggest fights, but there are a bunch of great fights. Jared, you got a fight of the night for us. Uh, yes, I do. Um Upset pick, too, by the way. Carl Dargan gets upset by Alfredo Santiago Alvarez. Uh, this is this is another one of those guys who fought their way there versus kind of a protected guy. Dargan being the protected guy, it's why he's favored. So my fight of the night is also my puncher's chance. Carl Dargan upset by Alfredo Alvarez. Oh, nice on Showtime. Uh, make sure you tune into that, Joe. Fight of the night. Uh, I, I don't. There's nothing else happening tonight that I love. The UFC card is crap. Stephen Fulton and Chuck with Tito is going to be good too. Yeah, should be all right. I found him. Found him. Beat him. He's a bigger guy, but I'll watch that one. Yeah, I like Chocolatito, but yeah, uh, Myquan Williams is fighting tonight. I know Sanders super excited about that. Uh, the co-main the co event tonight is Dan Aige yeah. against Movzar Evolov. Uh, <laughs> not, not excited about that. This, this whole card is like not yeah. great. Not a great <laughs> card. Yeah. That's disappointing. Yeah. Especially yeah. after a week off. Hey, we, we got a big card next week, though, right? Glover and Prohaska. Yeah, but tease us a little bit, no? No, Can't you're right. Any... You're right. You know I, I mean, mean, I was looking at the UFC card. The only other card, uh, the only really other fight that I'd want to mention is uh, Felice Herrig versus Karolina Kovalkiewicz. But, but they're both mainstays, both journey women in the 
in that respective division. So maybe it's going to be a tough one. But for me, my fight of the night is not tonight. It's actually Tuesday. You got Inouye versus Donaire on ESPN Plus on Tuesday. That's going to be. I love Donaire, but that's not that's not going to be good. No. The rematch, right? Yeah. yeah. So this should be interesting. What uh, do you call when Josh refuses to play quarterback? Oh, Rosen strike. <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, I mean, Josh Rosen. Fight, I can't fight. Uh, I can't find Mike Vaughn. Did that get canceled? Uh, I can't find a Mike Vaughn Williams fight. I'm sure, Sandra will let us know. Yeah, let us know, brother. Yeah, but uh, all right. I, that's gonna do it for fights. I mean. Big, big fight. I'm very excited. Kimbosos, Haney, that, that's going to steal the show. That, I mean, talk about fights of the night. That's the real fight of the night. We will have finally have an undisputed lightweight champion. I'm excited. That's what boxing I will sleep more better knowing that there's a unified one guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Load oh, yeah. off my mind. Boxing Maybe you don't have 15 him. belts, and then we wouldn't need all these unification, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, I enjoy the fights. That's gonna do it for myself. Uh, Big Jace, Joe Guy, and Jared Jones. A big shout out to Chris Sawyer, Annie Mac, Home Mortgage, JPEX Financial, and Shamrock Home Inspections for sponsoring today's episode. Make sure you check out ColvinCrestMedia.com for a bunch of other great podcasts. More information on this podcast as well. And we're gonna end the show like we always do. Jared, brother. Hit us with that flurry. The most depressing thing in America for middle class and upper middle class people, I promise you, is credit. Done a lot of research on happiness and what makes us happy and how we acquire it, exercising with novelty. Cooperation is a big one. But when you exercise with novelty, you more more likely are competing. And when you're cooperating, there's other people involved too in cooperation and competition. So what can I do by myself to obtain happiness? And one of the biggest answers, the biggest piece of that pie is setting goals that you work for and then obtain and that makes you happy. You set a goal, you set something you want, you work for it, and then you become happy. The thing that takes away most people's happiness, middle class, upper middle class in America, is credit. What happens to that happiness when you decide you want that thing, get it, and then have to do the work to get yourself there. Part of the happiness is the investment, the time, the energy, the money you You invest in getting that thing that you want, in working toward that thing that you want. When you can just apply for credit and get that thing, you've undermined the whole process of your own happiness. And what you end up with is a nice house, a nice car, a whole bunch of nice stuff that you're uh, consistently working for to pay for. It's called the hedonic treadmill where you're just on it and have no way to get off because that's your payments and that's how you survive 
And like Brad Pitt said in Fight Club as Tyler Durden, you don't own your things anymore. Your things own you. Thanks, guys. Throwing jabs, always full sand. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest, top three corner man. Punching in with a punch's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand. When it comes to fisticuffs, slide a hand on the undercard. You'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got you missing wave. Feet are stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand and eight, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move. Bob and wave, don't lose hope against the ropes. There's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging we bringing crosses with no worship hooks with no verses combinations with no locks when you feel the flurry it's curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats relax if you want the facts because the best combat podcast is throwing jabs Hello, my name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Men. And great true crime shows like Sticky Meek, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Bird, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.